We continue in, in chapter 51. Oh, we're starting chapter 51 this morning. Uh, by God's grace, we should get through the whole thing. It is a rather long chapter, as I just mentioned. Um, but it is part two of the oracle of nations in the one, the oracle against Babylon. And, um, and so we're going to break this out into sections, just as we have in the past. Uh, and this first section that we're covering covers the first 14 verses. Um, and it, it really goes in and um, makes clear about the arrogance, Babylon's arrogance, and how it, it is being judged by God. So let's just do that. Let's just jump right in. Um, chapter 51, starting with verse 1, going through verse 14. Follow along. It says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will stir up the spirit of a destroyer against Babylon, against the inhabitants of Leb Kamai, and I will send to Babylon winnowers, and they shall winnow her, and they shall empty her land when they come against her from every side on the day of trouble. Let not the archer bend his bow, and let him not stand up in his armor. Spare not her young men, devote to destruction all her army. They shall fall down, slain in the land of the Chaldeans, and wounded in her streets. For Israel and Judah have not been forsaken by their God, the Lord of hosts. But the land of the Chaldeans is full of guilt against the Holy One of Israel. Flee from the midst of Babylon, let everyone save his life. Be not cut off in her punishment. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance, the repayment he is rendering her. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand, making all the earth drunken. The nations drank of her wine, therefore the nations went mad. Suddenly Babylon was fallen and been broken. Wail for her. Take balm for her. Perhaps she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she was not healed. Forsake her and let us go each to his own country, for her judgment has reached up to heaven and has been lifted up even to the skies. The Lord has brought about our vindication. Come, let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. Sharpen the arrows, take up the shields. The Lord has stirred up the spirit of the kings of the Medes because his purpose concerning Babylon is to destroy it. For that is the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance for his temple. Set up a standard against the walls of Babylon. Make the watch strong. Set up watchmen. Prepare the ambushes. For the Lord has both planned and done what he spoke concerning the inhabitants of Babylon. O you who dwell by many waters, rich in treasures, your end has come. The thread of your life is cut. The Lord of hosts has sworn by himself, surely I will fill you with men as many as locusts, and they will they shall rise the shout of victory over you. All right. Well, here we see God proclaiming judgment against Babylon in this in this second part of his oracle against them. <coughs> God calls Babylon here in verse 1. He calls them Lebkami. Lebkami. Now, um, in my studies, learning that 
That is a code name. That is a code name for Babylon. Um, <coughs> and you can see that even indicated in your ESV, ESV Bibles. It gives that textual note there. It's a code name, and it means the heart of those who rise against me. Um, Walt Kaiser, uh, one of the folks that I like to to read his comments on, uh, he, it's a It is a specific type of cryptogram. It is called an atbash, uh, where the you, the consonants, the Hebrew consonants, are are reversed to to disguise a form of what means here. Babylon. Uh, and it's not being used here in this case, this code name, if you will. It's not being used uh, because the name of Babylon is secret, because you know, the prophet has already um, revealed that name, Babylon. But the purpose is that so this, the citizens of the land of Babylon, that they would may, that they may realize that they are opposing the Lord from their hearts. Again, this is judgment, and God is letting them know, you know, how they have sinned against him. Leb Kami is that word. Okay. Well, next, in, in verses 5 through 10, that's really the, the center of the attention there is on the exiles, um, particularly the Lord's people. Israel, Judah. Now, they have not been forsaken by God. They haven't been forsaken. But God's telling them that they must flee. they got to flee in order to avoid that disaster that's coming upon the city and that land. Now, it is true that um, of all other exiles that Babylon has captured and, and forced to live in captivity, that they too must flee. But this attention here is set on his people. Um, it's time to get quickly out of the land. They have to, they will come a time when it's fulfilled to quickly leave. Obviously not when this is being prophesied, um, but when the prophecy comes true. We find that they are being vindicated, it says. They're um, being revenged. The Lord is doing this for them. Um, and so it will be time at that point to go back and make a report to those left still in Jerusalem of what God has done. You know, clearly both Israel and Babylon have sinned. They're both, they're, neither of them are guiltless. They're, they have both sinned. But Israel is, is the people of God. And so he has a special care for them. And he has remembered them. All right. Verse 11, um, we have these invaders being identified, the Medes. They're being identified for the first time here uh, as Babylon's enemy. Um, I want to, got a slide here. Really the purpose of this view is just to give you an understanding of where the Median Empire was. It's the purple. The green is the Babylonian. So you could see these enemies coming from the north, that, um, how that's possible. So, you know, they are to get their weapons ready, the Medes, the new instrument of God's destruction. They are to get their wep weapons ready for war 
Um, what the Medes, the people, they were an alliance of tribes. They were an alliance of many tribes. Um, and they, around towards the end of the second millennia before BC, they started to migrate to this area that you see here in the purple. Um, and by the eighth century BC, okay, by the eighth century, the, the 700s, uh, they had start to become more of a, of a nation, not just uh, a bunch of tribes. Um, and by the late seventh century BC, they joined with the Babylonians at that time to defeat the Assyrians, right? The mighty Assyrians uh, in their capital there in Nineveh, which, you know, up here, I don't know. If, I don't, where's my pointer? Where's Nineveh? I think Nineveh's right there. So they, they joined with the Babylonians at that time to defeat the, uh, the Assyrians. Uh, but by the middle of the sixth century, uh, Cyrus the Great, he brought the Medes really under the, the umbrella of the Persian Empire. So uh, that's a little bit of background there on, on the Median Empire. Next, as we go into our, back to our text, verses 15 through 19, this next section, we see the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts. Um, he is the one who's clearly responsible for bringing Babylon's destruction. It is he who's doing this. And so these verses describe the Lord as being uh, incomparable, certainly incomparable to any of the gods that these um, uh, pagan nations uh, put up. So let's go to that in our text, verses 15 through 19. It says, It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his images are false and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of delusion. At the time of their punishment, they shall perish. Not like these is he who is the portion of Jacob, for he is the one who formed all things. And, all, and, in, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Lord God is incomparable to what they have. So it's, that's what it portrays here in this, in this section, over against this mighty empire. It was God, the creator of, he made the earth by his power. He's the one who founded the world by his wisdom. And he spoke it all into existence. So knowing this, the, the poem that we have here, it, it acts and it serves like it's a hymn of praise. It certainly does. You know, God is the one who is judge over Babylon. He's the God of the earth and the heavens. In comparison to him, all the others on earth are stupid and without knowledge. And especially ridiculous here, the way he brings it out, are, are the makers of these idols. These breathless, inanimate images. They're just false works of a delusional mind. 
You know, this is an amazing contrast with the one who is the maker of all things. And it's even a, a big contrast against Israel, whose God is the maker of all things. So God brings that out into the open and makes it clear. All right, um, next, uh, the, the, we see the vengeance of the Lord breaking out, you know, this once mighty nation. In verses 20 through 26. Now, this is uh, this text as we read it. Um, you know, here, let's just read the text first. Verse 20 through 26. All right. It says, You are my hammer and weapon of war. With you I break nations in pieces, with you I destroy kingdoms. With you I break in pieces the horse and his rider. With you I break in pieces the chariot and the charioteer. With you I break in pieces man and woman. With you I break in pieces the old man and the youth. With you I break in pieces the young man and the young woman. With you I break in pieces the shepherd and his flock. With you I break in pieces the farmer and his team. With you I break in pieces governors and commanders. I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea before your very eyes for all the evil that they have done in Zion, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against you, O destroying mountain, declares the Lord, which destroys the whole earth. I will stretch out my hand against you and roll you down from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. No stone shall be taken from you for a corner and no stone for a foundation. But you shall be a perpetual waste, declares the Lord. Strong words. Well, ten times here we have this phrase, with you I break and destroy. It's repeated over and over again. Um, you know, it's a little difficult to understand exactly who this is. Uh, there's been, you know, you know, is it is this describing Babylon? I think the context would kind of rear more towards uh, this new force that's coming in from the north to destroy the Babylons, Babylonians. But some have taken this to mean uh, the Babylonians. But I think context serves again more of this is talking about the Medes. They will break and destroy, and nothing will be able to stop them. You know, when you see the repetitions like this in the text, it speaks of the thoroughness which God's going to use in his judgment and that it will come upon them. It speaks of the thoroughness and the finality. God will not change his mind in this as much as God changes his mind at all, right? Well, just as Assyria and Babylon were at one time's weapons of the Lord. Now he's calling upon this median leader to do that. He will be God's weapon to bring Babylon down. He will do this. And in God, in verses 24 through 26, we see God, he's going to judge Babylon. And he tells them why. For all the evil that they had done in Zion. You know, not, they went above and beyond in their wickedness. Here there, God refers to Babylon as a destroying mountain. Um, 
even though it was on a plane. It was no mountain nearby. It was, it's just a word picture here for us to see that they um, metaphorically tower in superiority over their, their enemies. And really, the whole world at that time. So God, it says, will roll the Babylonians over a cliff and make them this, this burnout mountain, a volcano, right? A burnt mountain. And so he says they will pulverize the city and it will be impossible to salvage anything. You know, there's nothing that's going to be left over. No stone, no cornerstone is going to be able to be taken, which is, they didn't really have stones there in that land indigenously. Um, what they built was built from bricks made from clay. Uh, it wasn't like back in Jerusalem where they had stones to use. You know, so we see these these metaphors that the Lord uses to describe not only what they once were and a menace to the world around them, but how completely God will destroy them. And so, in the next section we see the Medes uh, making their advance from the north, in verses twenty-seven through twenty-three. So let's let's go there. Set up a standard on the earth. Blow the trumpet among the nations. Prepare the nations for war against her. Summon against her the kingdoms, Ararat, Mini, Ashkenaz. Appoint a marshal against her. Bring up horses like bristling locusts. Prepare the nations for war against her, the kings of the Medes with their governors and deputies and every land under their dominion. The land trembles and writhes in pain. For the Lord's purposes against Babylon will stand to make the land of Babylon a desolation without inhabitant. The warriors of Babylon have ceased fighting. They remain in their strongholds. Their strength has failed. They have become women. Her dwellings are on fire. Her bars are broken. One runner runs to meet another and one messenger to meet another to tell the king of Babylon that his city is taken on every side. The fords have been seized, the marshes are burned with fire, and the soldiers are in panic. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor at the time when it is trodden. Yet a little while in the time of her harvest will come. So the Lord gives the final command here to advance. He's telling them to come against Babylon. And so we see the, the, the city of Babylon being de depicted here as being deflated and made, uh, made weak. There are additional kingdoms that are, are named here, the, um, this area that's north of Mesopotamia, Ararat, Mene, and Ashkenaz. Uh, they are summoned to join forces with Babylon. Now these kingdoms, um, they're from uh, Armenia, and they're northwest of modern-day Iran. And so in ancient times, they were called the Uratu, the Uratu. But better known to us are the Scythians. That is uh, according to the ancient historian um, uh, Herodotus. So they are came from up here. So they joined the battle with the Medes to come in and invade. So 
God commands the entire area. He brings them in as well. And this impact uh, on this, of this assault on Babylon, we see this in the verses 29 through 32. You know, the, the soldiers are basically, they stop fighting. They're, they become powerless. So full of fear. Uh, they, they stay in their strongholds, it says. And they're described as being exhausted and as ineffective as women in battle. And it talks about these runners coming to and fro and meeting, the messengers meeting one another. You know, there's intelligence coming from this side of the battle, this side, you know, that there's all coming to the king of Babylon at once. So there's this panic, this scene of panic that's coming on here. You know, the hammer of the Lord now has control of the, of the fords, of these the river crossings. It says the marshes are now on fire and the time of harvest for Babylon has come. So here we see this, again, this, de- this clear depiction of their advance coming in and, and making those soldiers ineffective. All right, next, in, in verses 34 through 44, we see a prayer. A prayer by Israel is put before God for divine retribution. And then we also see God answering in this prayer. So verses 34 through 44. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has devoured me. He has crushed me. He has made me an empty vessel. He has swallowed me like a monster. He has filled his stomach with my delicacies. He has rinsed me out. The violence done to me and to my kinsmen be upon Babylon. Let the inhabitants say of Zion, My blood be upon the inhabitants of Chaldea. Let Jerusalem say, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will plead your cause and take vengeance for you. I will dry up her sea and make her fountain dry, and Babylon shall become a heap of ruins, the haunt of jackals, a horror and a hissing without inhabitant. They shall roar together like lions, they shall growl like lions' cubs. While they are inflamed, I will prepare them a feast and make them drunk that they may become merry. Then sleep a perpetual sleep and not awake, declares the Lord. I will bring them down like lambs to the slaughter, like rams and male goats. How Babylon is taken. The praise of the whole earth seized. How Babylon has become a horror among the nations. The sea has come upon Babylon. She is covered with its tumultuous waves. Her cities have become a horror, a land of drought and a desert, a land in which no one dwells and through which no son of man passes. And I will punish Bel and Babylon and take out of his mouth what he has swallowed. The nations shall no longer flow to him. The wall of Babylon has fallen. This monster has swallowed them up. This monster who's Nebuchadnezzar is shown here as devouring up Judah and those nations that he's conquered and that he 
he fills his belly so much that he spews them out. He expels them. This is the rinses that they're rinsed out. You know, he, he's, he's eaten too much, kind of, is, is the picture here. So, so Babylon is, is seen as the very essence of evil. And we know this. And we, we see it even depicted that way in a more spiritual sense in the New Testament. But Babylon is depicted as the very essence of evil. And um, so the prayer of the exiles is for God to avenge them. That's in verse 35. So what we, the Lord responds, he promises to take up their case, um, that he will set a banquet for them and make them drunk. And they'll bring them down like lambs to the slaughter. You know, very familiar language there. And so just like with, um, we saw in verse 1 with uh, Leb Kamai, we see here Babylon. Um, if you were, or it says Babylon in our text, there in, um, I believe it's in verse 41. You go there. Yeah, Babylon. In the Hebrew, it's another one of those cryptograms, but they've already translated it in our versions of the Bible. Um, but she who was once the praise of the whole earth has now become a horror among the nations. So we are given here several graphic images uh, that they're going to be punished. They're going to be punished for what they have done. It says that her walls will come crashing down. And she will be take out all she has devoured. The nations will no longer flow and stream to her. And so you know, this Walt Kaiser, he points out these walls of Babylon that it says here they're going to be come down. They were, these walls were legendary um, for the strength. The city was legendary for the strength of its fortifications. I got a slide here that kind of gives an, an, a picture of what ancient Bam Babylon was believed, as best as anyone can know, right? What, what it looked like and from archaeological diggings and the like. Um, you can see these, these walls here, these legendary walls. Um, let me just kind of read some of his comments here about them. Um, the inner wall of Babylon was, listen to this, 21 feet thick, the inner wall. 21 feet thick. Now, again, it wasn't stone. It was brick made from clay. But it was 21 feet thick. And then it had an outer wall. That measured 12 feet thick. You know, so an amazing double wall construction here. That was called a casement wall. Um, they weren't, again, like I said, they weren't made of stone, um, but they were made from these bricks made in the sun. They also were fortified by 250 towers. It was an amazing city to behold uh, and to even make it more secure um, I don't know if we can see it in the picture very well at all there's a moat a moat that went around it um, filled with water and probably refuse as well I'm sure uh, one of the most famous of its eight main gates was the northern Ishtar gate um, I got a picture of that kind of what it looks like 
left over, not much there. Um, I, you know, its bricks were enameled, glazed. They had a, a golden and blue color to them. Um, so you can just imagine, here's a kind of a reconstruction of what that gate would have looked like. But, you know, it would, all these pictures I, I'm, I'm just presenting here to just help us to get in mind how grand this city was and how quickly God brought it down. So, you know, the, ba the beauty of Babylon was renowned in the ancient world. Um, here's another slide here. I'm sure you guys have heard of this. It was um, uh, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, uh, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Then one more picture I want to show you here. This a reconstruction of the ancient city. I mean, considering um, the area that they were in and um, just the engineering prowess that's displayed here. And what this, you know, again, 250 towers here that were all brought down. I'm sure it was a sight to behold. I'll leave that picture up here for a while. Um, all right, let's go on. Verses 45 through 49, we see here the exiles are being urged to flee the city, to get out of there. 45 through 49. Go out of the midst, the midst of her, my people. Let everyone save his life from the fierce anger of the Lord. Let not your heart faint and be not fearful at the report heard in the land. When a report comes in one year and afterward a report in another year and violence is in the land and ruler against ruler. Therefore, behold, the days are coming when I will punish the images of Babylon. Her whole land shall be put to shame and all her slain shall fall in the midst of her. Then the heavens and the earth and all that is in them shall sing for joy over Babylon for the destroyers shall come against them out of the north, declares the Lord. Babylon must fall for the slain of Israel, just as for Babylon have fallen the slain of all the earth. This, this, these verses here, they begin with God's call for the exiles to go out, to flee, to come out of Babylon. And the best way to save themselves is to to be quick about it, to not stick around, um, get out as fast as possible, because God's wrath is now meant to be directed at Babylon itself, um, and he calls these exiles his people. Now, again, we know that it was not only it, the people of Israel that were there, but again, his affection is upon them. He calls them to leave. Um, there, we also know that there was a, there remained a significant amount of people um, in, in Babylon after it was conquered. Um, so we have the prophecy here, and then we have how it was fulfilled. Um, there were a number that it took some time for them to, to, to leave, as we again know our history here with Nehemiah and Ezra. Um, 
But these edicts were given uh, to God's mercy for them to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild it. Um, you know, Daniel is a clear example as well, right? Now he ministered not only to Nebuchadnezzar, but to the Medes and Persians. So, uh, so but when finally victory is announced over Babylon, there's going to be a shout that goes up, and it's a shout that will be so ho- loud that it will be heard around the known world. And so they're, they're told here, you know, to, to be in verses 46 to 49, be careful about what you hear because there's going to be rumors going around. One report after another, uh, one, one year after one year, these reports come out. But when the, the time for victory really comes, it's going to be obvious. There's going to be no missing it. Babylon will be humbled and the slain will, will lie on the ground just as it happened to Judah by the hands of the Babylonians. The same will be happening to them. All right. Let's close off now. Um, get to the final ending here of the, the Babylonian Empire. You know, these remaining verses, starting with cha- uh, verse 50. So let's read those. It says, You who have escaped from the sword, go, do not stand still. Remember the Lord from far away, and let Jerusalem come into your mind. We are put to shame, for we have heard reproach. Dishonor has covered our face, for foreigners have come into the holy places of the Lord's house. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will execute judgment upon her images, and through all her land the wounded shall groan. And though Babylon should mount up to heaven, and though she should fortify her strong height, Yet destroyers would come from me against her, declares the Lord. A voice, a cry from Babylon, the noise of great destruction from the land of the Chaldeans. For the Lord is laying Babylon waste and stilling her mighty voice. Their waves roar like many waters, the noise of their voice is raised. For a destroyer has come upon her, upon Babylon. Her warriors are taken, their bows are broken in pieces. For the Lord is a God of recompense. He will surely repay. I will make drunk her officials and her wise men, her governors, her commanders, and her warriors. They shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, declares the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the broad wall of Babylon shall be leveled to the ground and her high gates shall be burned with fire. The people's labor for nothing And the nations weary themselves only for fire. The word that Jeremiah the prophet commanded Sariah, the son of Neriah, the son of Maaseiah, when he went with Zedekiah, king of Judah, to Babylon. In the fourth year of his reign, Sariah was the quartermaster. Jeremiah wrote in a book, all the disaster that should come upon Babylon, all these words that are written concerning Babylon. And Jeremiah said to Sariah, when you come to Babylon, see that you read all these words and say, O Lord, you have said concerning this place that you will cut it off so that nothing shall dwell in it, neither man nor beast, and it shall be desolate forever. When you finish reading this book, tie a stone to it and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates and say, Thus shall Babylon sink to rise no more because of the disaster that I am bringing upon her, and they shall become exhausted. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah.
So let's walk through this last section here where we see Judah being commanded to go and to not stand still. And they're to leave from the midst of her. And it rec- instead of recalling anything good about Babylon, they are to fill their minds with Jerusalem, he says. They are to look to the land that they're going to be going to. Uh, don't be like Lot's wife looking backward, basically. Uh, Kaiser, he, uh, Walt Kaiser, he notes that instead of the recalling of the old guilt and shame that they had for the reason of their impending judgment, of course, for them looking backward when that comes upon them, they are to think about, you know, the holy places and the house of the Lord. Again, fill their minds with thoughts of Jerusalem. Because God's going to definitely bring down Jerusalem, uh, Babylon, that is. You know, this mighty city, even if her towers were to reach the sky, and if she were to strengthen her defenses in any way that she can imagine, the Lord will bring an end to them. And it's such a, a loud collapse that all around will hear it. It says, starting in verse 56, how the invaders are going to break the bows of the Babylonians, these once fearsome warriors that just knowing that they were coming melted the hearts of men. Their bows will be broken. They'll be useless. And God's going to repay them for all the evil that they've done. Uh, They will be put into a a never-ending sleep, it says there in verse 57. So this came, this prophecy came, um, it's dated in the fourth year of Zedekiah, um, which would have been just about the time of the first major group of, bat, of captives were being taken away. Um, and so what's he do with it? He puts this, this book, this scroll, he gives it to uh, Sariah, and um, son of Neriah. So presumably he's a brother to uh, Baruch, his uh, Jeremiah's scribe, and he tells him to 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 read it, to encourage them as they are taken away into captivity. So Jeremiah here, he in verse sixty, he concludes his oracles against these nine nations, and and he you know tells how they're all written in this book, in this scroll that he had given to the quartermaster. So. Um, you know, after he finishes reading these words, he's to pray to the Lord to fulfill these words by destroying Babylon and leaving it desolate and uninhabited, ruined forever. And this is the last slide I have, and this is what Babylon looks like today. Uh, a haunt of jackals and ostriches. And then you know, one last symbolic action. He tells Sariah to tie a stone around the scroll and to throw it in the Euphrates River. You know, very, uh, again, demonstrative action that Jeremiah has been known for with some of the other things that he's done so far throughout the book. Um, so Babylon must be destroyed for all the evil they've worked on Israel and the nations around her. 
these thick walls, these 21 inch and 12, not inch, but feet thick and 12 feet thick walls going to be leveled, these gates taken down, um, and they're going to sink. They're going to sink like this stone sinks this scroll to the bottom of the river. So all this is prophesied against them. Now when Cyrus, when he entered Babylon, he was pretty much unopposed. He didn't even, he didn't even need to, to destroy the city by itself. Uh, eventually he did, obviously, as you can see in the picture there, there. There's only remnants here and there of of the city. But it hasn't risen up to this day even. So this view that Jeremiah gave of the future was not limited to just that time of, of when Cyrus came in and the Medes and the Persians. Uh, but really, you know, it encompasses Babylon even into the future. How the Lord will bring final judgment on what Babylon represents. And we can read that even in the book of Revelation. How this, this depiction of evil will finally come to an end. You know, the Lord will make them drunk. They will drink from that same cup that they made, uh, perverted the nations with, and they will come upon their own heads. Barring some language from Revelation there. So that is the end of Babylon to come for them. And of course, we know, again, in history it came in stages, but, um, you know, when you read the book of Esther, you know, in the time of the Persians at that point, uh, their capital isn't in Babylon, it's in Susa, which was in the ancient area of Elam. Um, and so, uh, you know, Babylon is laid waste. It's made ineffective. All right, so we got one more chapter, folks, uh, and then we are we've gone through the entire book of, of Jeremiah. It's been quite a journey, so I'll leave those parting words for now.